You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. One week of the new NBA season is in the books, and after a tough debut in Boston, the 76ers seem to hit their stride once they got home. We'll talk to the longest active player on the team's roster, Amir Johnson, about the importance of steadiness during a long year. To have us be the headliner to start the season, it was a lot of emotion. You know, we got back into our rhythm, shared the ball, everybody played well and up to par. And we'll also sit down with the man, Tom McGinnis, for our first ever Sixers soundcheck segment. He did it! J.J. Redick pours in a three! Are you kidding me? That's coming up on this episode of The Broadcast. Yes, indeed. A very auspicious start to the second week of the NBA season for the 76ers. Coming off a perfect, brief, but still perfect, two-game homestand with a nice win over the Chicago Bulls last Thursday, and then they followed that up with a narrow, resilient victory versus the Orlando Magic on Saturday. My name is Brian Seltzer. It is great to have you tuning into the podcast once again. We're going to hear from Amir Johnson and Tom McGinnis, the radio voice of the 76ers, in just a few moments. But first, our regular reminders that to subscribe to the podcast feed, if you've not yet already done so, you can head to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, TuneIn, any one of your favorite podcasting platforms that will take you to our feed, and you can subscribe right then and there. So yes, I gave the inaugural Sixers soundcheck segment a good old-fashioned radio tease at the top. What is it? What could it be, you might ask? We'll stick around five minutes or so, and we will get to it and reveal what it is. (laughs) Probably should not be building it up this much. But first, a conversation with Amir Johnson, 14th season in the NBA. He is the longest tenured player on the 76ers roster. And the reason why I wanted to catch up with Amir at the Sixers training complex is because after the Sixers' first game of the season at Boston, um, you know, the reaction among the populace and some members of the media, understandably, very intense, very impassioned, get it first game of the season you're up against a rival whom you're being measured against that's all well and good 
Um, but 48 hours after that, it was like a, a totally different vibe surrounding the Sixers after they came back and handled business at home against the Chicago Bulls. And then they uh, knocked off the Orlando Magic on Saturday. So I thought it would be appropriate to talk to Amir, a very mellow, even-keeled dude, about those two traits and how they're important and what good they can do to be very patient and steady over the course of an NBA season. So uh, that was one of the things Amir and I spoke about recently at the Sixers training complex in Camden. How are you feeling at the start of, amazingly, season number 14 for yourself? 14, feel good. Um, game two of uh, this season, and um, it was a great way to bounce back uh, with the loss to Boston. And um, uh, and it was a great team win for us. You know what I mean? We, uh, we still got a lot to work on. Um, we um, main goal is to get in the rhythm, be as one as a team. We're improving to get better every day. Um, these guys are relentless, working hard. Um, our two stars uh, showed out, and uh, you know, I mean, life is good. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because it seemed like there was such an intense reaction to the first game of the season. And then here we are 48 hours later, and it's like a completely different deal where, like, this isn't the NFL season, right? I mean, it, this is a long, long grind that you guys are on, right? I always say the hardest games of NBA season is the first game and the last game of the season because everybody's trying to do too well, and at the end of the season, everybody's trying to finish out at their best. And um, the first game, that was definitely a, t- a tough team to go up against. And... Um, to have us be the headliner of the start of the season, it was a lot of emotions. Um, guys were trying to do a lot, and uh, we weren't playing our normal Sixer basketball where we're sharing the ball and um, playing well. And, um, you know, we got back into our rhythm, had 30 assists, shared the ball, everybody played well and up to par. You know, and uh, like I said, it's just tough you know, being that first game. But it was great to be back on the floor, you know, with the guys and, and grinding hard. I don't think anyone would say that you're not an even-keeled person. Like, you have a very easy way about you. Do you try to spread that across the team, or do you just, like, say, hey, I'm going to do my thing and, and hope that that rubs off on other guys, younger yeah, players that might sure. be new to it? If everybody just does their, does their job, um, put in their work, you know, it just, just makes makes the process a lot easier, man. You don't really have to worry about nothing. Nobody has to say say anything. You know, everybody pretty much clocks in, does their work, does their extra stuff either early in the morning or late at night, you know, and the day goes on. For You mentioned two young stars, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Joel's 24, Ben's 21. How do you think they handle everything, the expectations, the pressure that comes with where they're at in their careers? They're very competitive, man, and um, these guys put in work every day. I mean, um, Ben comes in maybe like at 6, 7 in the morning, Eight in the morning, puts in his work, and you see Joe here late after practice and putting his works, and you, you can just see how hard they want to be great, be an all-star, and whatever their goals is. You know, what I mean, they're, they're um, they have the mindset, you know, which is uh, some some young guys don't have, and um, you can see it in them. And uh, as they as they keep playing throughout the season, you can tell on the court. You know, what I mean, fans can see it, uh, our coaching staff, players can see it. You know, they they lead by example, and. Uh, they're definitely going to take us to the promised land. 
I mean, you've played in big games, but have you ever been a part of a crowd like the one on Thursday night whenever it seemed like Markel was doing anything, the crowd was willing him along. It was like 20,000 people kind of just threw their arms around him. It's love, you know what I mean? Um, what's that city shows? Um, I've recognized Philly the last couple of years. They can give you love, and then they can boo you. And uh, <laughs> the amount of love he got um, from him shooting a, a, a jumper, it just just – Gives Markel the, the the most confidence you know ever, and um, even though he has it, man, it's just it just shows how much love he had this uh, city has for their players and uh, for their team, you know, and it's pretty cool to see. I'll leave you with this: you are someone who is known for doing random acts of kindness. What's the latest? Do you have a latest random act of kindness you've done or anything like that? Um, I don't know anywhere I'm at. You know, I'm taking pictures or signing autographs. You know, um, you know anybody on the street. You know. I'm, I'm not never rude. I'm always humble, you know. So, I think I went to uh, Pumpkin Patch and um, a couple fans, you know, sign, take pictures. That's about it. It's good stuff, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, if you've followed the career of Amir Johnson or read a little bit more about him, you know that random acts of kindness are things that are pretty typical when it comes to him. Um, I'm just trying to think back. I think the way the story went was that when he was in Toronto playing for the Raptors, uh, Drake came out with an album, and Amir went to um, a local music store, bought up all the CDs, and then just (laughs) pretty much went around the streets of Toronto and handed out Drake's new album randomly (laughs) to people walking around on the streets. So he's just that type of guy who, and I'm sure this has been said and written before, but if you, you know, you walk on uh, the bus after a tough loss, he's dapping you up, giving out fist pounds, just a really good valued, even keeled type presence to have around a team. And a guy who, Hey, through the first couple games of the season, he's been playing real well. Um, During that two game homestand, he combined to score 21 points in the wins against Chicago and Orlando shooting 10 of 13 from the field, and he also had uh, nine total rebounds. So some good stuff from Amir Johnson. Our recently much-vaunted soundcheck segment with Tom McGinnis is coming up. But first, I wanted to tell you about nightly suite rentals at the center. A suite for a 76ers game is the perfect way to entertain clients, family, friends, and um, the good news is, is that nightly suite rentals are actually now available for all home games this year. All sweet rentals include tickets to the game, free parking, and gourmet catering, which, hey, you can't beat that. Um, and listen, if you want any information on nightly sweet rentals, go to Sixers.com slash suites. Uh, you can also email tickets at 76ers.com or call 215-339-7676. That is for nightly sweet rentals at the center. One of the few ways you can get into home games in South Philadelphia this season. All right, I feel like I've been building it up and hyping it up since this episode of the podcast started. Our first ever soundcheck segment with Tom McGinnis. What is it? Well, at its core, it's an interview with the man, the now 24 years and running radio voice, the 76ers, T-Mac, Tom McGinnis. But the way we're going to go about the interview is I'm going to try and set up different themes by playing back a couple of Tom's radio calls from the week or weeks that were. So uh, in this case, we'll be playing back some highlights 
that were heard on the radio, maybe on 97.5 The Fanatic or any other Sixers radio network you might listen to, or perhaps on the Sixers or NBA app, and we'll get Tom's reaction to uh, to what those themes might be. So why don't we start off with Markel Fultz and the reception he received making his home opener debut back on Thursday versus the Chicago Bulls in the Sixers' 19-point win. Joel handles it outside right to Fultz. Fultz with a jumper on the wing. It's in the air. It's long off the back. No good. Crowd encouraging Fultz to shoot. Here's Fultz from 17 around and good. And he makes the free throw. And the crowd gives him a huge ovation. They are really, and it continues to grow. And it's turning into a semi-standing ovation. Markell with it. He's going to fire for three. It's in the air and good. And the crowd loves that. The Sixers with their 12th three in the game. And the crowd goes crazy. T-Mac, I am going to ask you about Markell Fultz in the home opener and the reception he got from the crowd. But it just occurred to me while listening to that highlight. Do you like listening to yourself? How does it feel listening back to highlights? It's a little weird. I could see that. I like to go back, like, for instance, you. we have this podcast right here on this forum. So sometimes I go back, and I went back the other day and listened. Yesterday, I guess it was on Saturday night when J.J. hit the shot. If I go back and listen, I go back with the mindset of, did I get it right? Did I... Because a lot of times that's what sticks with you. Like when I go home at night or when I'm driving home, I'm going through like this mental Rolodex. They used to have such things of what did I say? Good, bad. Do you know what I mean? Like mostly bad, like scary. Ooh, was that a little risky? Like that kind of thing. And then even sometimes it's the next one. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't even believe I said like that. That's more of it. So if I listen to a highlight – I'm not like, yeah, did you hear that? Call him. It's not that at all. It's more of there's an oral history or written or audio of what it was. So, and the JJ thing was, there's usually when I see the highlight and then listen to the call that we had on the radio, it's like, wow, a lot more happened than just Joel. Like, because you watch the ball specifically to be able to describe the action, I didn't, I, you know, I knew Terrence Ross was chasing him around but not that he gave him too much airspace. And that from Orlando's side, they were furious. I mean, their coach was really mad after that game. So um, I now I, I do revel in some calls. Like I thought one of the quickest best lines I've had ever was when in the Bulls game Thursday, Archie Diacono brought it across midcourt at the end of the first quarter. And I yelled out, where's Chris Jenkins? It was amazing. I was sitting <laughs> like right for us there. As Villanova and Philadelphia phenomenal. fans, like, that's what I thought of, you know, and I just maybe because that's the single best play in college basketball recently for our area. Um, so you do get it from time to time. You do get a chuckle. You get you have to. In a way, you have to kind of entertain yourself a little bit to do it this long, to do so many games. Uh, if you're not having fun, then, you know, what's the whole point? So at some point, you have to kind of entertain yourself a little bit. In some ways, I feel like it probably could be something like where if someone were to ask Greg Popovich at the end of his career, you know, those five titles you won, what would you think? He probably wouldn't say not too long after that, you know what, the one we didn't get against, you know, LeBron and the Heat, and it was right Right. there. Absolutely. And then the real carry uh, over the takeaway for those guys, and for us too, is the relationships and being a part of it. Like people ask, what's your favorite memory all the time? And I do have one, and it was because I was with my soon-to-be wife. We did a live shot after the Sixers won the Eastern Conference championship, and we were in the parking lot hours later for CBS3. 
but mostly it's just being a part. This right here, we're in a hotel in Michigan. This is good. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't, I try to, because we have so much downtime to think about the season. I try to, as what's the new phrase now, lean in, like glom on to grab and enjoy all of it, including a ride home at 3.30 in the morning. Find a way to not have that be drudgery. You know, like at the end of this trip, we're going to be, this isn't China, but we're coming back from Milwaukee at 3 in the morning. So it's just like a road trip that you take with your family when you're a kid where you game plan and you think about it, or even today where you're the pilot of those road trips. You foreplan like that. And and that's how that's how you you forward thinking a lot, and then it's great to go back and think about a lot of the experiences, but um, it's all part of it. It's all good. Perspective is important, and I thought now revisiting the central theme of playing those sound bites, Markel Fultz home opener. You know, after that first game against the Boston Celtics, there was so much immediate intense reaction surrounding what happened in the first game of the season and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast I get it I understand it there was so much build up and hype to that game but it's like this it's not like the NFL season where there's only 16 games in the regular season this is something that is long and drawn out over you know six months I just thought it was so heartening and such a great reflection I'm sure it did a lot for faults he said as much afterwards but I just thought that for the fan base to kind of pin the vocal minority as being just that it was great to be part of that and witness that atmosphere at the center and how they treated Fultz in that first home game. That's a good point because I really didn't focus. I, I don't listen all day. You know, I love the station and everything, but I don't. So I guess I wasn't privy to all that was going on. And I, You know, I, I usually don't, but it's like first game of the season, I kind of just wanted to get the temperature right. of what was going on and just all the calls were like. <laughs> right. But I can see where that was yeah. to talk, knowing the nature of, uh, of the fan base and uh, in general. So having said that, we've all been to – I've called probably close to 2,500 games, not just in the NBA but in my career. And we've all seen, you know, whatever, like, I don't know, 3,000 some or more sporting events. And then we all know the history of the Philadelphia fan. And, and we know the backstory of this particular player. And that's what made it special. And to see that because it was so heartwarming. Like the Brett Brown, it almost gave him like goosebumps. And it was a, a groundswell of support, so it was really special. And and who knows? That might not be forever. You know what I mean? You only get so many chances. Like, But that was really cool because everyone likes this young man, Markel Fultz. You're rooting for him and to see some of the things he did. And guess what? It, to your point about it being a long haul, there are, you know, one step forward, two step back. We're in Detroit. He ought to play well. To, if Ben Sims, I don't know by any chance, but he might get more time. And Reggie Jackson doesn't strike me as Avery Bradley or Gary Payton. Maybe he has, you know, to me, if he gets a 20-point game and then another one, and then he starts to build more confidence, he makes some shots, he's going to be fine. He's a very gifted athlete who's going through a difficult time. But that was a special moment, no doubt, the other night when the Sixers played the Bulls in the home opener. To me, it's been encouraging that his attitude seems like it's been extremely steady. He's sticking on the same things he's talking about. Um and by doing that, to me, it projects a certain type of confidence. Um, how, do you, how do you think he's done on the court so far? It seems like he has been willing to try things, and there hasn't been uh, too much hesitancy about him. Well, and and I said the other night when we spoke after the game, he wasn't great. And then I looked back, and I'm like, well, he had seven assists, and he did, he is doing some other things. Um, so he's done fine, you know, and I, I think he has to. There was a point where – 
there's a difference between like you know a Ray Allen hunt a JJ Redick hunting shots, looking for that glimmer of a, of an opening to be able to find that gap and and let that thing fly. Uh, and obviously he's not there yet. And again, it's very simple. Even Brett Brown says he's got to not turn down opportunities. Do you know, like it's you got to pull that driver. You got a little slice. You still got to pull that driver out on the par fives and you know and give it a whack. And, and live with it. You've been, you know, this is an analogy, but at a golfer, you learn how to cure your slice. Well, go out there and make sure you you give it a whoosh and, and make sure that, oh, I landed in the fairway. For me, it's, oh, just a little bit <laughs> to the right. Fultz was talking about that Monday at practice before the Sixers left town, just in general. Being more aggressive is something that he's talked about with Brett Brown and he's looking to implement into his game moving forward. All right, so that was one theme takeaway I had from the first week of the season. Close second was the big man, the all-star, just being flat-out dominating, as Brett Brown said. He expected Joel to be able to do this season, so let's take a listen. Charge for three. Shot in the air. Remy, no. Rebound, Fultz. Back to Joe. Look out below. Jojo. Embiid slams it home, and he gets the crowd going. The Bulls are taking time. Three balls. Shot in the air, and Embiid puts it up and in. 15 points for Embiid. A dozen in this quarter alone. And now the Sixers expand their lead to eight. We did our job, and uh, we got the win. Now we're 2-1, and we're on our way to 81-1. and one. How great was that in your that post-game interview? That caught me a little bit by surprise. So, now, like, two things, uh, and I'll be a little bit more brief than the Markell segment, I'm sure you'll appreciate. But, like, against the Bulls, he's going up basically against the Ford and Wendell Carter, and uh, who's going to be very good. But he – Carter was overmatched, and Embiid knows that. Like, if you're going to go over the scouting report of what the other team, you know, how you're going to guard this guy or that guy or tendencies from the personnel and a team in general, then the same is held true for what you can do offensively. And I thought he was very effective, and he's done really well against Robin Lopez in years past. And then the other night, you know, he wants to play more bully ball, which would lend itself to these dunks and the power plays down by the basket. They're trying to post him more. But the three-point shooting, he's got, even though last year maybe the number wasn't as great as he would like to have been up maybe 39, and I think he's capable. So maybe the numbers overall, the volume comes down, but he didn't go away from that in the Orlando game, and he made three in the first half, and he's wide open. And then that sets up the the head fake and the ball fake and then the, the Euro step, which that was one of the funniest things. Like 81-1 and one is funny. But when he ran back to the bench going left, right, left, right, that is so funny. That To me, that's as funny as any Twitter comment. Or That's actually more funny because who does that? That is so – and it's just like this this the boyhood charm that, or, you know, like the, the freshness of, of having fun. And that was uh, – and, oh, by the way, he's probably, you know, teasing the other team. And there's probably a hidden message there too, but that was pretty cool. Uh, there was a um, GQ, the magazine, published its first digital edition, and the cover story, not just a story, but the cover story in this national kind of like Q-factor, what's hip, I'm using horrible phrases to describe it, magazine, is Joel, and in the opening parts of the article, it, it just kind of reemphasized the point that I, I think that with Joel's story, for me, is never not going to be impressive, that still at this point, um, he's less than 10 years playing the game, hasn't spoken English for 10 years, yet he has such a mastery of the language, the nuance, the humor, all that stuff, and that Euro stepping his way back to the bench. That, that to me, in the heat of the moment, right. the 81-1 and one comment, it's just like, you know, he's coming up with quips that are just so 
<laughs> funny. Right. So I'm a big guy, a big, you know, we don't, I know his story, Yaundo, Cameroon, you know, I, but like I just read Kevin Hart's book, this I read all the time, and I, I never thought I would enjoy that, but I loved hearing his story. Kevin Hart, the comedian, grew up in North Philadelphia. He was a shoe salesman, how his coworkers helped him be a, go do the comedy night down on South Street. Like, so was Joel the class clown? Like, that's my point. Like, did he have this? Was it innate all along? Or did he get to America when he got to Lawrence, Kansas? I mean, first Florida and outside Gainesville. And then, to, you know, where he's on a college campus, like, whoa, look at this tapestry. I can paint whatever I want. And now this forum as one of the great athletes in America right now, where did it all start bubbling and percolating to the top? Because, yeah, all things considered, the the ability and who he is as a guy and this this humor and taking social media by storm and all this, this put him on the cover of a pretty major magazine. It's all, uh, I'd love to know the, the genesis of where it all came from. That's a great point. Yeah, like did he have that in him? Um, and that game against the Magic, you look at the whole package defensively, he was phenomenal. That second quarter was off the charts. And then something that J.J. Redick talked about after the game, him recognizing to make the flip back to J.J. at the elbow on the decisive three-pointer that put the Sixers in the lead for what ended up being good. Well, absolutely. And uh, knowing his role, do you know what I mean? And then sometimes that's his role as a passer and being a decoy and whatnot. And, you know, you needed a three at that point to take the lead. And and that was great. Like they might overplay him thinking he's going to keep it and drive to the uh, drive down the basket, down the middle of the lane. But Reddick was in fluid motion and, and that was a game winning play. And those two guys have this symbiotic relationship that they both touched on after the game. And it, it bore itself out in the most important climactic moment of that game. Joel, it's only three games, but these numbers, tremendous, 28 and a half points, 10 and a half rebounds, almost three assists, two blocks shooting, Fifty and a half percent from the field, something that he, he has not hit the fifty percent mark yet through the first two years. So by all accounts, he's fulfilling that preseason prophecy that so many people were talking right. about. Right. Granted, we're three in, but that's those are MVP type numbers. About JJ Redick, let's now get to him. Here's a long shot by Redick. It's good, and the Sixers have taken the lead. Redick has been on fire from three, leans in and gets another one. Seven triples for JJ Redick. Sixers with twenty seconds to go, down by a point. Reddick and Embiid on the far wing. J.J. fires three ball. It's good. He did it. J.J. Reddick pours in a three. And the Sixers take the lead. Reddick with eight triples in the game. Are you kidding me? And that was the one that made it 116-114 with under 20 seconds left against Orlando. We know the last two years how much the Sixers financially value J.J. Reddick, but There are games like this in a season that you need. The Indiana game last season, almost around the same time, comes to mind where J.J. just catches fire and does what he does, and that game against the Magic was vintage what he brings to the table. And he had eight threes in that same game that you're talking about against the Pacers, which is an identical number here. And no doubt about it, he had a career year last year, points-wise, shooting-wise, and honestly, you need that again from him. And uh, it's different. Like, you know, he's coming off the bench a little bit, certainly at the beginning of the game, not starting. But like he said, his role is the same, and he's he's the big shot maker, and this team needs that. Um, so he's been an integral player, and Brett Brown talked about all the things he, he does off the floor 
And he was saying you can't put a price on it. I'm like, well, you could put a $36 million tag on it. You actually can't <laughs> right. put a price on it. But obviously that plus what he what he adds to the team and, and contributing to that victory. And then just lastly, and you sit you know, just to my left a couple of seats, and you know the last part of the game, the whole lower bowl was standing as one, and then on that shot, they just erupt in, in joy. We're all there for the same reason to be entertained, and it's like it's a communal experience. It's pretty cool. Like that was everybody left that night. Uh, it's a great experience. I mean, you know, get to StubHub if you can't. Seriously, you know, what I mean, like <laughs> it's so cool to be to be in there, and and we're there trying to fulfill a role in our in our job description or whatever. But that's pretty neat when you go to a live sporting event. Something that came to my mind that I was thinking of during that game watching J.J. was, and we were at that very first introductory press conference in Las Vegas last summer when the Sixers signed him. And, you know, I don't know how ultimately it got to this point where J.J. was like, I understand they want me to be a leader, but I'm supposed to be a pretty darn good player too. And there recently, the last couple days, deservedly so, there was all this, a lot of focus on J.J. mentoring Landry Shamit and that relationship. And I'm thinking there during that Magic game, like this guy at 34 years old, still a very damn good player. Right. No, and he was obviously one of the best players in, in college. And then it's it, guys mature at different rates. And he didn't play at the very beginning, understand Van Gundy in Orlando. But what he said too uh, – after the game and as he was talking about working with Landry Shamit, who's got a great work ethic uh, in and of himself, as Reddick himself said, before he even met Reddick with the way he practices and the game speed and whatnot. But to just keep filling up the bucket, and this metaphor or analogy has been made in a number of ways of the Spurs and the, the whole Danish thing about hitting the rock and eventually on the gazillionth time it'll break. But his was a different way, and that is filling up the bucket. In other words, putting in the work. Like and we see him at the gym, but also like if you've ever seen his, our friend Nick McCain from Sixers.com asked me last year he had taped uh, JJ's warm up, and I thought it was going to be because I showed it to my son. I thought it was going to be a shooting routine on the court. Like I love watching Kyle Korver warm up for how he gets ready to take those deep shots. He starts right at the beginning and moves back incrementally. But no, it was Redick like. 10 minutes in the back of the house in the weight room going through all the core things with his with his stomach and whatnot and all of that that we all should be doing that he's done so much it literally was like one of us would think you know left foot right foot like he just he was working through it and then the last part of it is the tip of the iceberg when he's out on the court and our fans will see him you've probably seen him with two balls and he's doing like a you know a deal where he's almost seated while standing with his right leg and all of this stuff is so he can be in peak physical condition to match the moment of when the opportunity comes. That's what he means about filling up the bucket, and then you're ready to match that. But that is discipline. That's preparation. That's he's obsessive, you know. And you have to be to be a, one of these. These players are all ultra competitive, but to be this successful at this level, you have to have that attention to detail to the nth degree, and he majored in that and history at Duke University. Well, you hit it on that word, discipline. I, just the commitment it takes to do that every single day and every for as many games that are played, it's just amazing. J.J.'s got a killer streak in him, and certainly this gentleman does as well. Fulls with it to Covington. Down to Ben. Bang! Two-hand jam. Cameron Payne, that's your guy, baby. Simmons with an easy stuff. 
Freddie Hoiberg, the mayor, takes time. Six in a row by the Sixers. 62 points in the first half with two and a half still to play. All in all, very strong start for Ben Simmons this season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no doubt. And last year, winning Rookie of the Year, he was like a man amongst boys. You couldn't believe he was a first-year player. And this year, and I said this during the course of the call, one of the first couple of games, and even watching him a little bit, the the – the videos that we got during his summer in Los Angeles. But when he came back in September and, and watching those games, the guys all get together and they play pickup at the at the practice facility. And he was just like an end-to-end rush that ended up with spiking the football every time. And that is throwing it through the rim like he's doing in the game. So he's – I just talked about edge and having that chip on your shoulder. And it's in, it comes in different forms. It might be manufactured. It might be from, you know, they didn't say this or that. You know, guys, you sometimes – when I say manufactured, you create it a little bit. Like, And he – in those first two games, it was just – and I, 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 the ceiling is still – there's a lot – there's ample room from which he can take off and grow even more as a player, and you just learn the nuances more. But, uh, but the, over the weekend, I mean, I know Ben ended up getting hurt or a little bit with that back in terms of the Orlando game, but how good those two players, Embiid and Simmons, were in the Chicago game is what all of us as Sixers fans have been pinning our hopes on, and it's becoming reality. Fans have probably heard Brett Brown reemphasize this a lot, just the consistency of Simmons' work ethic. But I, I literally, um, you know, I don't want to say, like, oh, I, you know, I talked to everyone. But, like, I'd say maybe half a dozen, ten people just talking about Simmons the last week or so, asking them about him. Like, it all comes back to the time he's showing up at the training complex. Like Amir Johnson said the other day, oh, he shows up at 6, 7, 8 in the morning. Demetrius Jackson, who he came back and worked out with after the loss at Boston at, like, 2 in the morning – says how early he shows up other coaches I mean that's and that seems to be a change from last year not to say that Ben didn't put in the work last year but um, I think the phrase that JJ used was something like it's not just punching the clock it seems like for Simmons you know right punching the clock is showing up there and walking around and and it's kind of like when we used to have to do our homework like yeah I actually have to sit down and do it at some point so no what he's doing he's talking about practical functionality working on things and you're right i i think it there's definitely been uh some strides made in that area and brett brown talks about it where he's the first one in and simmons is next uh i don't know if i recommend the two or three o'clock a.m shooting after a road game but that shows the desire and the want to get out there and fix uh what if he felt like he needed to work on anything so no doubt about it that's a that is a great sign that's a sign of leadership and that's where we just talked about the preparation that, that puts you in a spot to, to be ready for your time, your moment. And uh, and he's still a young player who's evolving. He's growing physically. I mean, when you're when you're that young, you're still developing. And uh, he's, he's a special talent who's only going to get better. Got one more. Here we go. Jabari Parker's in. He tries to guard Dario. There's no stopping him. Sharks whirls with a left-hand shot in the paint. Reddick drives. He's met by Levine. Oh, bumbled, stumbled, puts it up, and no good. Dario got it. knocked away. This is not pretty. Shard puts it in. That's his game. Dario likes to muck it up in there. He's a grinder. Something that Dario's been talking about the last couple days is he's like, for some reason I can't figure it out. Now looking at three years' worth of sample size, I start slow. I'm paraphrasing what he says. But he's like, the outset of the seasons just aren't quite what the rest of the season is. 
But he has the track record where he does come around. And I, I thought the last game against Orlando, he showed some things. And Brett Brown was talking a lot about his shot, that that's something that Brett looks at. Yeah, and I think we all recognize that he's at times a line drive shooter, certainly his first year. And last year I thought he made great strides. And Brett Brown talks about stepping into your shot, lowering your hips, getting the load part right, and then, uh, you know, delivering and following through, sticking the landing. Those are all some of the elements that he talks about. And uh, I thought Dario did that pretty well the other night. And, uh, you know, as, he, as Brett Brown describes, and Brett Brown in his heart is a development guy and a shooting coach. And he would tell you that. And he loves that aspect of it. He studied it at length. And different guys have different trajectory and all that. But And I was a line drive shooter, albeit at a much, 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 much lower level. But two basketballs fit inside the cylinder. So to me, the Steph Curry, the Covington arc might be better because, like, you know, you got a better – the laws of physics say you have a better chance provided everything is, you know, equal that it's going to go in. But Dario has been terrific. And, you know, it's like different parts of a great meal. We just talked about Simmons and Embiid and Redick. And here's Dario. He plays a different style, and yet he can go in there and add such a crucial element inside tough baskets, fighting, you know. And then, like, tomorrow, here we are in Detroit. Is he going to guard Blake Griffin? And that's been a big emphasis to try to work on lateral quickness, his athleticism. Whoa, what a huge assignment. I'm sure Cobb will be in there. You're going to have to mix it up a little bit. But that's the position he plays. That he's Whether he's a stretch four or not, certainly maybe not a true stretch four, but that's where the position is gone in the NBA, and that's what he plays for the Sixers. So it requires the ability to hit the outside shot and you know, and spot up and hit deep, beat deep shots. And then at the other end, be able to keep a guy who plays a similar role on the other team in front of you. Big assignment, and uh, but he's a great teammate. You know, along with TJ, he's probably the most liked player uh, with the group, and uh, really just somebody you can easily root for. Philadelphia is a, a blue-collar, hard-working town, and he's a lunch pail type of player. And, and I think we all appreciate what he brings to the table. I know the coaches do. T Mac, thank you very much for this. We'll do it again two weeks time, maybe every other week. You It'll be it. a regular thing. You got it. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. So there you have it, our first ever sound check segment with Tom McGinnis here on the podcast. Thanks to T Mac for sitting down to talk. Hopefully, it was something, you know, not uh, certainly not reinventing the wheel, but something a little bit different to mix up the old format and formula a bit. Uh, but no, thanks to Tom for taking a few minutes to chat. Thanks to Amir Johnson for talking at the training complex the other day. And more than anything else, thank you, as always, for listening. We should be checking back in with another episode of the podcast later this week. And, of course, be on the lookout for rewind editions of the podcast following each of the Sixers games in Detroit and Milwaukee. Talk to you next time. See you.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com you never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 